Hi guys, welcome to Glitching the Code here on Iconic.com. You'll be watching this on YouTube. If I can manage to get it up on BitChute, although it's very slow, I'll try to get it up on BitChute. Listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and all the other ones. I'm here with Dr. Amanda Volmer. She is a doctor of neuropathic medicine and she has a Bachelor of Science in Agricultural, Agricultural by Biotechnology is a mouthful so that's a she's a very smart lady basically but the reason why i was um, drawn to her work is she's been speaking out about a lot of this covid narrative and why these things are happening but also one of the videos she did um was an important message to truthers which was one of the people one of the very few people who were cutting through a lot of the infighting a lot of the politics that goes on even in this sector or whatever you call it so it was great to to see someone doing that and i like your direct approach so Amanda, how did you end up speaking about these things coming from a neuropathic um, background? You're, you're a holistic um, doctor, really. How did you end up speaking about all of these kind of conspiracy angles? Was it just the COVID thing or was it something that came out before that? Uh, well, my degree is naturopathic um, medicine. Not, uh, not, there's no neuropathic that I know of, but um, just to correct that. Cool. And... Um, uh, my whole history really is <laughs> about finding the truth. So, you know, um, the, the biggest conspiracy there is, obviously, is that there's an agenda from elites to control us, which has been going on forever. Um, and it doesn't take a lot of digging to find these documents and the history. You do have to dig and you do have to know how to sift from, you know, false information or sensationalist information, right? But ultimately, it's um, uh, it's just who I am. I mean, I've seen through the the BS from an early age. Maybe a lot of people they they wake up later, or they've had enough abuse or whatever to sort of take charge of the knowledge and go do the research and figure these things out for themselves. Um, maybe also because there's a, a lot of people who follow others rather than lead themselves. Um, and so I have that uh, independence in myself. I don't take anybody's word for it. And I've always been like that. Um, I want to know it inside of myself. I want to understand it. And if someone says, you know, this is how it is, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Now I'm going to go see if that's how it is. <laughs> and I'm going to, as a scientist, I'm going to put that to the test. I'm going to, I'm going to test empirically you know, in my reality to see if that feeds back. And it was way before, you know, this whole convid, the con job here, um, where I was talking about all sorts of, you know, different avenues of knowledge, because my, um, my feelings are that when you're holistic, that's a holism that it's not, you just, oh, I'm just going to talk about body health. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna talk about mental health, emotional health. I'm not gonna talk about determinants of health in my society or my community or my family unit or anything, you know, that's separate. And I, I was doing the opposite where everything is part of it. Everything's, everything is your day-to-day -day life. Everything is your, your mind expressing and in your holographic <laughs> self and giving yourself feedback and learning lessons and growth and all of this sort of stuff. Um, and 
had just put it together like that and been been doing videos you know for a long time then this whole thing hit and, and oh my gosh what a mess <laughs> so I started to just put down some smackdowns here and there because everyone was flying off the handle and reactionary and what you know let's get to the main logic it's just let's just sort out the logic everything else we'll we'll fix from there <laughs> and that's that's where I go about you know presenting my material it's fascinating that you're you're kind of like direct like that and you don't get swayed. I was in one of your interviews that you talked about when you were younger, you had digestive problems. Um, I kind of have something like that as well. I was born with a thing called esophageal atresia, which means I didn't, I mean, you may know that I, don't, I didn't have an esophagus and I had to build it out of my colon, which affects me a lot as I get older. And the more I kind of understand it, it affects everything about the way I react to life. So was it something like you had digestive problems? Is that something that can affect every part of your life the way you see the world the way you react in the world you're not having the right food the right vitamins and does it affect your kind of reality in a sense or your view of reality when you can't actually eat properly and digest food properly oh yeah of course i mean your your gut is your functional brain really you have your your brain brain your heart brain your gut brain so we have three thinking centers essentially that have different neurochemicals and feedback loops and and if your gut's off, you can't think very clear. And we see this often, you know, um, we see this a lot in children who have ingested food dyes and white sugar and this sort of stuff, and their mood shift considerably just from what they've eaten and ingested it. And um, we know there's this intimate connection. So when I was damaged by vaccines um, in my youth, in my, well, at birth, and then that caused an inflammatory process to continue um, to be basically a leaky gut situation to be set up. And then I wasn't breastfed properly. So I was given cow milk and I reacted to cow milk ongoing. And you would think, oh, we give her the bottle and then she screams for six hours. I wonder if there's a connection. Yeah. But because my parents went to the doctor and the doctor said, there's no relationship. Instead of saying, oh, this guy's a moron. They went, oh, okay. Oh, so keep feeding her the milk. Okay. It's just colic. Babies get it sometimes. There's nothing you can do. Drive her around the block for her to fall asleep, you know, bounce her on her belly, this sort of crap, right? So that was two years. That was my first two years was I eat and I have pain. <laughs> then later I had uh, the IBS diagnosis because they don't they can't make the correlation between the shots, the leaky gut, the bad feeding, and the gut, and then later when you eat solid foods that you have problems digesting that food. I don't know why they can't make those connections because they're really easy to see as far as I'm concerned, uh, but they are um, unable to fix it. And so they give you this baseline diagnosis of IBS because they don't really know what to say. And they'll say, oh, well, you're not getting proper peristalsis. So your nervous system is not innervating or challenging the intestine to move the food along properly so you're getting periods in time where there's no stimulation so you get you know a constipation and then you get this catch-up stimulation which is stochastic now you have diarrhea and that's your ibs right so really all i had to do was repair my gut tissue by proper uh, approaches and to um uh heal my nervous system really, which 
was part of my adrenal glands. And um, again, changing the way I'm eating, changing my lifestyle factors. And I healed that myself. And, and that's when I realized, oh my goodness, this is, this is everything that they tell us to do is just wrong. And what they do to us is wrong. And they set us up for disease so that we're hooked into the system. You know, and as I was healing myself, this is when I started to wake up to the corruption and the, um, and the disease um, marketing, you know, where it's a, it's a business model to, for sales of drugs, not let's really care about people and make sure that they're thriving and, and happy, <laughs> which is some utopia that I really hoped existed somewhere. <laughs> but alas, here we are. So these these kind of traumas, and when we're young, um, obviously maybe born born with without an esophagus, and it's funny that people that get into this stuff have a kind of trauma that they have to go through, and it, and it leads us to kind of question everything when we get older as well. Do you think that that tra- that that kind of um, how does it affect you as you get older? That trauma of you can't remember those years, but it seems to be embedded in our DNA of like not there's something not going on here. It allows us to kind of see the world in a different way but it also kind of restricts us as well because we're always fighting that. Do you find that kind of you're still kind of battling the same battles you battled as a kid, but in different forms as you get older? Um, are you kind of, yeah, in, in a sense, are you kind of still fighting the same feelings? Um, well, I mean, the, the, the good thing to know about any of the traumas, I mean, you can be easily traumatized. You could, you know, you could be traumatized by the thing I saw yesterday. I saw some kind of flying ant thing um, walking with a spider to go eat it. You know, like that could have been traumatizing. Right? Um, I could have reacted to, to this crazy scenario I was witnessing, right, of nature. Um, but I, I didn't. But if I had or if I had trauma, then um, we have to understand that, that all animals or all mammals uh, they have, there's different stages of stress and we go through, obviously we know fight or flight, um, but below that is the freeze response, right? Um, and then here's normal. So we have these, these layers of ourselves and, and we get not, when we want to numb ourselves and self-soothe or we get into addictions and all that, we're actually at this freeze level. We're not functioning properly. So we're, we're needing to palliate to function you know, coffee and drugs and stimulation and, and then downers to go to sleep and painkillers and all the stuff that, you know, because all of that will go into the body and create pain syndromes and imbalances and so forth. So in order to release that, we actually need to come out of that space where we feel like the coast is clear again, there's a safety level. And then we hit fight or flight. Then we, then we touch fight or flight. But what we do as humans is we suppress it. Like, oh, I feel fight or flight. No don't but really we need to again and when an animal has been like hunted and pretends they're dead or whatever which is down here they actually will go to when they hit fight or flight they shiver and shake they shiver shake and move they shake it off they literally reset their nervous system by tremoring and we can do this with a method called trauma release exercises which i have on my blog at yummy.doctor so it's the there's a method you do it at home super easy you're using the psoas muscle, you're exhausting the psoas muscle so that your legs sort of become out of your control in a way and they start to go through the tremor and you put yourself in that. 
And now you can come down from here, up through the fight or flight and into regulation. So you can actually regulate your nervous system properly. But if you're constantly pushing that fight or flight back down by anesthetizing it with your regime of drugs and alcohol, all that stuff, you will never get shit done in your life because you're not in a normalized nervous system. So you're not functional. People ask me all the time, like, how do you do all this, Amanda? It's like, well, <laughs> I'm not in trauma. I don't know. <laughs> I do still, I'm active. I, I make a lot of things. I do a lot of things. I'm in the garden a lot, I do, you know, and it's because I'm not pacifying myself in that trauma. I, and if I do feel a trauma and I do, I'll just do the release regularly, do it on a regular basis because you could have a reminder of an old trauma and it brings it you know, up again and that sort of thing. So I would suggest everyone just look at trauma release exercises and, and try to incorporate it in their lifestyle so they can regulate their nervous system properly because we're constantly just bombarded with stimulation to keep us challenged in the fight or flight you know, level to the point where we will exhaust ourselves. And we can't, you can't live like that. It's just, we're not meant to live like that. So that brings me up to where we are kind of now with the whole COVID narrative. And, and you've spoken about this in some of the other interviews that, that the, the symptoms of the flu, which obviously this is the flu, um, are the body releasing toxins. And that's what it is. And they're calling that an illness when it's actually the it's this way of actually getting rid of the illness and they've reversed it and inverted it like they always do. So all these traumas that we've had and once they come out, can you get symptoms of the flu and then are they reusing the trauma to re-traumatize us saying you're ill it kind of almost it's very psychotic isn't it what they've managed to do with that well first when you want to you know um, traumatize like that it's always going to start off with a fraud or a lie or something a trick right so the trick that they started with is they first um, created what's called a testing pandemic and I have a paper on this, a scientific paper that documents exactly with charts <laughs> what a testing pandemic looks like, because it, it, it actually looks very different than what we would call a quote unquote real pandemic, because a real pandemic has a different rise and fall. It has a sharp rise with a gentle fall, but a testing pandemic has a sharp up and down uh, pattern. And they presented that saying what had happened is they can manufacture the the so-called virus in silico. So it's a lab derived, um, a um, computer generated um, layered information. They take that, they take a segment of it, they prime it and they put it through the PCR test and then they back engineer a test for that. And then they test everybody. And it's basically like um, going to the casino and playing the, the play craps or, or you know it's it's roulette it's 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 probably closer to roulette than craps even but it's literally gambling because it could come back positive and, negative and it's irrelevant um so it's 100 percent false positive the whole thing is a sham and but doesn't matter because you get people going through their normal regular detox processes and which will vary year to year because there's all different admixtures of chemical exposures that someone went through that year or, the, or, or maybe the year before they never detoxed. And now it's a buildup of a couple of years, you know, and then they begin the process and they think that they picked up a bug because that's the brainwashing. So they start talking like that. And I shut anybody down who talks like that. I'm like, don't start spreading that. You know what that's called? That's called superstition. And you're gossiping something that is actually superstition. And that should be shut down. 
They'll say, no, 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 we don't catch shit. You don't want to take self-responsibility for the fact that you poisoned yourself for how long. Now your body's trying to make the correction and you want to blame something invisible because you don't want to take any self-responsibility for your actions. Okay, so there's that. So they capitalize on that with the testing pandemic. They know they're going to think it's germ theory related because they've all been brainwashed and indoctrinated by the school system to believe that. Now they're going to play on it. They're going to play on their fears and they're going to say, don't worry, you know, the problem reaction solution scenario. And we got you covered. <laughs> We're going to help you. Ah. And uh, then they give you the, the, the death darts. And then all of a sudden, you're really sick again. You're like, oh my God, this one, this it's really bad this time. Wow, this is crazy. We, hey guys, like, where's your next shot? Or where's the, next? and they just get you that way. It's just like all marketing. Now, now you're really sick for real. Now you weren't sick, but now you are. Mm-hmm. Now you need them more than ever, especially with this crap. Cause it's, it's not like I feel malaise and I need a nap. No, it's like, oh, heart attack. Oh, stroke. Oh, instant sads, death. <laughs> You know, um, it's, it's not your usual foray into, you know, a side effect, if you will, it's death, debilitation, have your faces, you know, sloughed off and Bell's palsy, this sort of stuff. And, and the, then, but if you're really, if you're a really good cult leader, you make sure you gaslight your people when they start coming to you and telling you that they took your medicine and it hurt them. Go, oh, no. Can't be that it's because the papers say it's safe and effective so and the and the handlers <laughs> through the government agencies say it's safe and effective and we trust them blindly so therefore it couldn't be that because it just couldn't because they wouldn't say that why would they do that you know and they i, I don't even think they go that far to actually question that <laughs> actually that's that's my ad lib how i wish it would be go, Wait a second. um but there you are so this is a it's been punked they've been punked Totally. And I, I've said that before. You guys have been plonked, man, hard. And uh, you don't even see it. But now you're in, now you're in deep. Now you're in trouble. Um, but I think what's the definition of insanity is you still keep doing the same thing, expecting a different outcome. And now, so they keep going to their murderers, you know, and their depopulation agendas for help. Okay. Even, even the begging the government thing. Why are we asking psychopaths to change their psychopathic corporate um, rules and regulations? Because they're not countries, they're corporations. Why are we trying to make them change their policy? They already changed their policy and they told you that their policy is that they want you dead. So why would you want to, oh, well, if we get that one politician in, it'll probably change the whole thing. You know what? That one politician, if he gets a seat, He'll probably convince them all to stop selling their souls to the new world order agenda. I bet that's what will happen. And then fairy tales will come, will be real again. And we'll have, we'll have a peaceful world. (laughs) You know, I just, it's like, oh, they're psychopaths. Got it. I'm going to go over here. Uh, I don't contract, you know, no contract return to sender. Enjoy your death, but I'm over here making life and alternative solutions and getting away from the corporate cult and at all costs. And, and we're done. The relationship is severed. As soon as you realize that they have done this, they have hurt you and they are hurting people. They are not anything that you respect, meaning you're done, you're out. That's it. That's I think that's written into every constitution I've, I've ever read. 
if your government goes rogue, you have every right to step away and say, you don't represent me, stay the hell away from me. And I got a gun by my side, make sure you stay the hell away from me. You know? And in fact, our duty is to take it down. But the only way to take it down is to walk away, make another, make something else. Because you can't really, how do you kill a Hydra? I don't know. You gotta be a real good sharpshooter, I guess. But we, we don't seem to have the wherewithal to get that job done right now. So the best thing is to starve the beast rather than try to kill it. You mentioned responsibility there, and that, that's huge. And you said from the very start, the responsibility is the, the biggest thing for me. And you said that they didn't want to take the responsibility that they made themselves ill by eating crap food, drinking themselves stupid, smoking. They made themselves ill for, say, 30 years. Um, and now it's coming out. They didn't want to take responsibility for that. They didn't want to take responsibility for not wearing a mask. They didn't want to stand up. It's all about responsibility. And you said you didn't want to walk away from a psychopath. Do you think that people don't want to walk away from these psychopaths because they'd have to take responsibility for their life and they're not ready to walk away from mommy and daddy and go and figure out this shit on their own? They still want to be taken care of, even if it's by a psychopath. Just someone tell me what to do. That's why they love the idea of you'll have nothing, but you'll be happy. That to me is where we're stuck. There's no adults in the room anymore. And you know what happens when you have a narcissist that constantly um, gaslights and victimizes someone is eventually they become weak, right? They become um, ineffective at understanding their scenario and they're anesthetized by the situation because they're so disempowered and demoralized that they don't even see the problem they, they've not witnessed to it well. I've had many people who have been, have been in these abusive situations and they're addicted to their abuser. They're, um, they're, it's like, because it's painful, but it's a familiar pain and they feel like they have chosen it for so long, they've made a long error and they, they're going to continue making the long error because they don't have the resource set to work their way out of the mental midgetry that's gone on uh, to sort out the mess that they've gotten themselves into. Um, and they play the victim. They're the victim or they, or they make an excuse, like there's some excuse for why they have to remain being abused. Like, um, well, I, you know, I made my bed, I'm going to lie in it or whatever, you know, I don't know, <laughs> but it's, it's silliness. And, and they usually, um, unfortunately at that point, they are a rescue case. They're dead or they're, they're someone has come in and actually intervene and rescue them um, because they're not, they, they're, they've been diminished as who they are, you know? So this is a problem that happens in abuse situations, right? And even like you, you go and you steal someone out of a cult or you steal someone out of an abusive marriage, what happens a lot of time? They go back, right? You see this all the time. Well, it's because they have self-worth, their self-worth in the toilet, um, they don't have the skill set and they don't have the, um, the clarity to understand that there's other options there for them and that they can choose their hard, you know, life is hard. So they can choose the, the abuse hard, which is probably really worse, or the hard that they negotiate and they navigate their own decisions and power about what's hard. It's, yeah, it's hard to start over. Yeah, it's hard to get in, you know, have a new idea. Yeah, it's hard to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, whatever, hard to have children, everything. You, you can, but you, if you take control of it, at least you can navigate that. And if you get ahead of your, of your hard, then you can put proper disciplinary structures in place 
or get support where you need it. And then it's less hard. It's, you, you even can even enjoy it, you know? So this is where we are at as a collective, I feel, when it comes to these agencies. We are in an, an abusive relationship and we don't have the, the strength or, or mo- a lot of people don't have that wherewithal to actually have the, to get out of the scenario, look in objectively and make a proper decision. They're, they're in their mental um, muck. Mm. Yeah, I would need to, I mean, I've seen it everywhere. I was in a relationship with someone with borderline personality disorder and, and I knew this stuff actually really helped later on. Um, but do you think, I'm 41 now, do you think that the, the kind of the adults in the room that are still here, we're kind of like the, I feel like we're kind of like the last guys that are really going to get this. If if the kids now like 15, 12, 11 are not going to have any reference, they're kind of scrubbing out the reference of self-worth and self um responsibility and i feel like if 30 40 years time there's actually going to be no reference for that it's almost like the guys that lived before the internet came along anyone born now is not going to understand there's a world without the internet they're not going to understand how the world worked without the internet it's a different world and we've kind of just walked into it um at 41 i kind of think how did this happen in the last 20 years um do you think we have a responsibility uh, being the adults in the room to make sure that this information keeps going and, and children understand that there was a different way of looking at the world and you don't have to do as you're told and and you can think for yourself because I don't think there's many people there's there's a time limit on on those that are left to understand that it hasn't always been this way yeah uh well we're this is a cancel culture scenario when you're going to do a reset you have to erase the history or warp the history because the new crop of children will be indoctrinated into a false history. So you kill the elders as they've done with this situation. You maim as many as possible. You weaken the herd as they see us to ensure that um, they give up easily or don't fight as, as much. Um, there's strategies that they use, right? So uh, our job absolutely is to uh, make sure we are um, deliberately categorizing, cataloging the knowledge. Uh, and that's one of the things I'm working on as far as health knowledge goes, making sure that's all documented, make sure that's structural, make sure it's backed up 10 times in different random locations, you know, this sort of stuff. And to the point where I will go to a website that I used to entertain all the time as a reference or as a resource for someone and is gone, I'll have to go back way back machine and I will now take that information and I will make my own documentation. And I encourage everyone to, to do this, not to just assume it's always going to be there because they are purposefully destroying our internet. The way I used to search compared, you know, 20 years ago to now is night and day. I could find anything on there. Now it's really difficult. You're not sure if it's a half truth. You got to go through three or four pages of bull crap before you can get close to what you need, or they won't even search for your keywords, this sort of stuff. Or even when you put in, like you could put in your name and your podcast name and everything in YouTube, and that's it, it doesn't come. It's Mm -hmm. it's not even gonna search for it, right? And when the AI gets more sophisticated, then where's it gonna be for people, right? But here's where I feel the good news is, okay? Is we understand there's laws in this place, right? Uh, And one of them is about suppression. Anytime that you suppress something actively, that is an energy that has to overcome something. So you have to, you actually have to input 
and energy specifically to suppress something that would naturally want to occur. That's, that's active, right? Eventually this fails. It always will fail. It might take a long time, but guaranteed fail. And then you have a momentum of all that pressure on this resurgence bounce way out there where it normally wouldn't have even done that. Actually, it would have just oozed or something gentle. Right. So that's the good news because they're suppressing everything right now. Hard truth, people who speak a certain way, all the censorship stuff, all the drugs and all that. Oh, it's all suppression. Just it's like one suppression after another. And eventually that's going to fail. Um, so we can we can know that right as our hope <laughs> and children are resilient. We have instantaneous knowledge accessible to us when they figure out this con job, which my child's figured out. She's 10. She already knows. I didn't know when I was 10, but she knows and she's 10. And there are many other children who know and they're wise beyond their years. So we can put our faith in the children to figure this out. You know, we have children ha have been um, basically thrown to the wolves by their own parents and have, have had, you know, sex changes and all this, I mean, insanity, really, really crazy. I mean, if I grew up the way I grew up as a tomboy and my parents said, oh, you're, you must want to be a boy because you like to be with boys or something. I don't know what the hell they would have thought, or I don't like my boobs. So I like to, you know, hide them because it's awkward when you mature and everyone else isn't or whatever. Right. So that means I want my boobs cut off. Okay. Whoa. Parents gone cuckoo. That's insane. That's, that's like batshit. That's on another level to think that just because you want to play pretend as a child, that now you want to be that for the rest of your life. Are you fucking crazy right now? Yes. So this is a problem we have, but guess what? There's a lot of kids that are regretting this that's done. And those parents are going to feel the burn of their child kicking them to the can for doing that to them. And not only that, those parents just destroyed their own lineage. That's really extra, right? Because usually if you were in your true instinct self, you want to preserve your genetic lineage. You want your namesake to continue forward. You want your seed to go on, especially as a male. The whole, I thought the whole goal was you spread your seed as far and wide as you can so you can have big families because from you, isn't that like one of the earth goals? <laughs> you know, but not now. No, no, no. Let's let's stop the lineage right here and now with you, sweetheart, by cutting your dick off. You know, I mean, it's just nuts. So those people will die off because they are suppressing themselves. So they, they've actually taken the idea and run with it in their egos and they are hurting themselves. They're doing self-harm and to their children. Right? So this is what we're really dealing with uh, on the propagandized side, but there are families and children and people who are not falling for it. And they're the ones who aren't vaxxed and they're the ones that are gonna survive this shit show. And we're going to be the ones to rebuild. We're going to be the ones that have a soft pillow for those poor abused ones to land on when, a, when mommy and daddy abuser have taken things a little too far, even for them. You know, I don't know what that would be <laughs> other than death. It's kind of too late once, <laughs> once that happens. But, you know, there's probably a too far for some people. I mean, even my daughter's grandpa is like, I don't know. It's just this 
he's got all his vaccines and everything, but he's like, I don't know, something's, hmm. he's even doing that. So if he's doing that, whoa, okay, that's a big deal. They're, they're going too rogue and they're pushing too hard. So that is what we can expect. Our children will remember, we will catalog it, we will reteach, and we have instantaneous knowledge to bring through. It's not always from didactic learning. There's so many ways to know things, and these children will remember. Um, and we can just feed that vision as well with our and our energy and our our power, essentially. It's good to hear. I've got a little boy and he's, he's two next week. And um, and just to just think that he won't remember this stuff but it's in almost kind of in the dna you've seen people the kids at school wear a mask and it's, it's just like you're sitting there i i can't honestly it's almost like it didn't happen i've heard a lot of people say lately we know bill gates's background and his in his back his youth was growing up in plant parenthood his, his father was the head of plant parenthood a eugenics cult basically and this guy it's not hard to find this information it's literally take you two minutes to find out that bill gates was brought up in the eugenics cult people don't want to hear it they don't want to look at it and i'm hearing a lot of people a lot of males say lately and it's something that baffles me say i don't want to have children i don't want to bring them into this this world I don't want to, like, like it's a virtuous thing. Like it's a virtue signaling to say, I'm doing the right thing. I don't want to have children. But it really comes back to me is responsibility. You don't want to have responsibility of raising a child and giving them the opportunity to make the world better. This whole inversion of eugenics is seeping into the consciousness of men and women. And it's almost like it's a virtue thing not to have children now. It's this woke madness. Have you seen that like ramp up over the last couple of years, almost to the point where they're like, mini jokers running around the world just insane yeah it's um it's the frankfurt school leftist cult brainwashing right uh it but born on the the theories that um oh we're destroying the earth and uh, we're bad people so we deserve to be punished and it's it's like hurt me daddy stuff that's what it is it's like it's i hate myself so i deserve to not have joy and children and abundance. Um, I have no power in and of myself, so I might as well just sit around and wait to die. Like it's really um, a false ideology that's been implanted in people. Um, but again, this ideology can't last because the, the end result is death <laughs> and no children to carry it on, right? So it's temporary, it really is, because it's self-effacing to the point where you can't function it, it's going to fail it fails it can't it's non-sustainable non-sustainable so that's good but the the whole idea of not having kids because you're going to save something or whatever um is uh the opposite if you actually looked at statistics like if you look at just every um modern country's statistics they're not um uh, actually reproducing enough to keep their population stable it's actually an opposite crisis. We, we don't have a population, an overpopulation problem. We have an underpopulation problem to the point where the, the population will dwindle past a certain point where you can't even catch up. You could have 10 kids and it's hard. It's like you're having a hard time catching up. We're going to get to that. What was the Children of Men? You know, the film yep. Children of Men? Yep. Well, or Handmaid's Tale and this kind of shit. That's where it's headed because you're they're not going to be fertile because they took the, the infertility jabs. Yeah. So now you can have the kids, right? But if you're jabbed, you're gonna to have to hope and pray and cleanse and do all kinds of things and 
hope that that's viable, meaning that the pregnancy is viable, but also that they're going to be fertile. Um, and my own doc, I was indoctrinated. I went to university, so of course I was left indoctrinated. That's what those schools are doing. They left. They lefty Lucy cuckoo you. They think you have to work for Greenpeace. They they tell you that you're a feminist and all kinds of bullshit like this, right? When when ironically all the Gloria Steinem and all those feminists, they were freaking dudes. They were men in drag. That's how they much they hate us. I don't know why they hate us so much. Like what do we fucking do? That they hate us that much for that long. Like that's some strong ass hate, man. So do that. Like it's sick. It's beyond evil. That's like some kind of ingrained. I don't, I'm like, I'm sort do can we apologize enough? Or like, what do we do to make you stop hating us? Holy shit. So that to that point where you will deceive us that deeply, right? Do you want to tear the family apart that bad that you're gonna trick women in becoming men and men becoming women? Whoa, that's really messed, man. And then you have these, um, these beliefs that, you know, we're overpopulated, so I shouldn't have kids. I go, okay, well, no, that's actually false. (laughs) It's not the case. Uh, And two, um, if we don't actually have at least replace ourselves, then our population is dwindling. And we're going to have a fertility problem on top of it. So I'm telling my daughter, I'm like, honey, you loved babies as a child. You loved playing with your dollies. I said, I think you really need to have lots of kids this time around. I think you're going to have like a gaggle of them, like maybe six, this is seven, something like up there. I think you really got to get a twin set, a couple twin sets in. And, and she's like, oh my gosh, I don't think I want to have kids. I'm like, yes, you do. You just don't even know it yet. You know, I'm like, <laughs> we need you. We need smart people to reproduce. <laughs> So we can just work on helping the kids have a stable uh, situation where they feel abundant and they feel wealthy enough to have 10 children again, you know, and, and have a family farm and they're all your kids, you know, <laughs> it circles, everything's in a cycle. It's going to come back again, you know, who knows, maybe we even screw something up to the point where we can't have internet anymore. Maybe, it, maybe that happens for a while. We go way we go, oh, okay, no internet. Uh, I guess we're coming back to basics, right? We don't know. We, we don't know how, how things will be corrected because it always have to be correct. There always has to be that. And that's what I continue to feel with my senses and also fuel with my manifestation, visualization, and word. I'm creating this beauty, this support network, healing, joy, you know, release of all that pent up trauma from generational, you know, layers. And we're, we're going to get it right. Cause we're meant to, <laughs> we just had to get it super, super, super wrong first. <laughs> we really know what we don't want. <laughs> I think what you were talking about every time you talked about the suppression and it coming out and you talked about like the, the body getting rid of stuff and that's the flu, but it's the suppression of it coming out. This cult, this dark cult that we, we can see the Bill Gates of the world, they're the ones, the Rockefellers, are, the, the Rothschilds, the ones that are out the front, but there's many families and bloodlines in the background that we don't know about or that they're very hard to find. That Could that be a manifestation of this purge over decades of just nasty, evil stuff? It looks like the 1600s, it seemed to sort of, go into a dark kind of place 
could this be like the final purge of it or we have to go through this face this because these people are dying out the george Soros of the world are dying out the rockefellers are dying out the rothschilds are dying out these families are not going to be around 20 years like not to the level that they are now they'll be younger ones but the ones we think of the george bush of the world um is this a purge is this this whole covid thing kind of like a manifestation of the purge and this woke thing is a manifestation of the bullied kids at school the halls the janet the, the school monitors the ones that were bullied at school are now having their moment of rage like you said what did we do we didn't do anything you just felt left out and that seems to be this massive purge could this just be this purge out and we'll get on the other side of it once it's once they've got it out of their system yeah there's that individual experience right where you you if you want to master something you pendulum swing you go from one extreme to another and then you see the whole spectrum of it and then you find your neutral center and that's your calm space that's how you, you now you've embodied that as a mastery because you have seen all the angles possible while we're doing this on mass right now we're seeing all of the expression all the damage that's being done already mounted and coming out and it's creating chaos as you would expect right uh look at the airports yeah <laughs> that's wild man that's that is chaos plus plus right and but this is part of the syndrome of the disease expression you know, you suppress, suppress, press, 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 put, put money here, put money here, put money here, print more money, print more money, whatever. And then you can't, at some point, the band-aid's coming off and the pus is coming out and it's got it and it's messy and it stinks and the whole thing. And now you got wound care after, right? So after this, we will have wound care. And that's why people like myself, and I know many people who are formulating those networks so that those people they will be able to have a softer fall um, and, and wound care will be there and, and then getting them into rebalancing. And, and that, yeah, I, I think, I think that's an accurate representation of now. So you said the wound care there for the people that didn't understand it and it's coming out and they're going to have to be careful afterwards. Obviously the psychological damage is going to go on for quite a long time. What about the people that do understand it like ourselves that do understand what's going on? do you know what i mean how do we look after these people when we need kind of care for ourselves because to watch it it's like fucking hell the kids have got the hold of the firecrackers and you're watching it all go off that's still traumatizing how do we take care of ourselves or each other because we're going to need some healing as well well we at the time is now for radical self-healing um and boundary making and um, uh, reassessing your value system um, becoming sustainable as many in as many ways that make sense for your lifestyle, making some serious decisions about the long-term goals you have, um, you know, leaving jobs and scenarios that are still in the matrix, you know, walking away from all those illusions. That's the stuff that we do now. This is now, this is prep work now. I've been doing it for ages. I know a lot of people in the same scenario. Yes, is it, it's exhausting because we're not just doing that for ourselves because we know we have to, but we're also still pinging out in the world and trying to help and trying to teach and doing all these other things. Um, but I always remind myself that we are actually infinite and we have infinite energy resources available to us. We, we, we have been trained to limit ourselves all the time. And um, we, we have to understand that boundaries 
and limits are purposeful, but they're expansive and they change and they're flexible and they're plastic, meaning that it comes and it goes. And, and so it's, a, it's really a dance. It's like an art to it, right? So the science would be, you put a boundary and there you go and that's it, right? And the art part is, well, it could be this, this way or <laughs> we could jazz it up like that, whatever, right? And so we have to, there's a lot to do and there's a lot of work to do. But the first and foremost is getting your own life done right. And that's the focus. And that's why I stopped seeing clients and stuff for quite a while now. I couldn't just give and give and give and give and give and give at this stage because I'm, that's not the correct now. The correct now is what's happening with food. Where do you focus on? Where are your people that you're going to bring in that help you with this? Okay. Delegate. How do you delegate properly and responsibly? How do you actually have, I mean, here in Canada, the whole idea of supporting one another is just doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Everybody's in their own little hidey hole. And the only time that people come out to actually help each other is when it's either there's a religiosity to it. So you're trying to make people come to Jesus or something, or you have another goal. There's another ulterior motive to when people actually give in community. Um, I'm not saying everyone's like that. I'm just saying that it's not like someone's knocking on my door saying, Hey, how are you doing today? You know, uh, would you like some help cooking? Um, or, or, Hey, you know, I had this idea that we could harvest all our carrots together and we could can everything together and then we could share the, the loot, you know, or, and have fun doing it. It's like, we've lost the, the quilting bee way that we used to have that where we used to rely on each other like that. So now what's going to happen is we're going to have, we're, we're going to be forced to rely on each other because that's the way we're meant to be. Right. And we've been isolated on purpose because we're not powerful enough unless we're aligned with each other. That's where our real power stands right together. That's why they want to separate. That's why I want the family unit destroyed. That's why we want the lineages to not even be like, like dynasty, man, you know, dynasty lineage. <laughs> There's none of that. I mean, do people even have inheritance anymore? Remember how we, how humans used to live? There would be inheritance that would cut, they'd fight over and not all kind of crap, right? I mean, even my own grandmother, they, they would pass down certain things so that the children were set up for life and so forth. And then the children worked to set up their children and so forth. Mm -hmm. But now we just, we either murdered the children or send them to the streets, you know? I mean, it's, we have to come back to the, the collaboration that works locally for each other. And it's not a one world, none of that bullshit because it all has to do with your own culture and belief systems and value systems. So you're only going to align with the people who hold those same value systems and work together and then have an agreement with the other value systems, like a little bit of a communication outlet. So you guys get along, don't fight and create wars and stuff, you know, agree to disagree, but we're over here, you're over there. Hi, how you doing? You know, nice, nice stuff. This is when we come into maturity and this is how we get there, but we're not there yet. We're still in the murdery <laughs> yeah. chaos -y stuff, right? But we, but we know this. So then for ourselves, we, we sit, we contemplate, we expand our awareness. We understand we can call on energy at any point in time and ask it to be with us. We can call on our creator, however we need to for support. We have people that we can express our feelings with when we need to, our loved ones. And we have our children and our, and our animals and our land to tend to. And this is where we focus until we're presented and shown the next step on the path. 
And so we just have to, you have to focus on getting yourself right. That's the only way to, to really help everyone else when it's going to come down to that. You got to be ready, you got to be strong and you have to feel like, you know, when it's going to be a yes and when it's going to be a no. When you, at times, like we all do, don't feel strong enough to help anyone else or don't want to help anyone else, who do you turn to when you need someone to talk to or just drop the whole kind of uh, help other people and right now I just fuck off. I don't know what I'm doing. When What do you do when you have those moments and those days where you just think, I don't want to help anyone else. I don't want to do anything for anyone else. I need to just stop. Um, because we've been isolated physically in our house. Who do you have around you? Like, because the only communication we seem to be having is through the internet. And if this goes, if it's frightening to think that you lose the internet, if you they didn't have that, who do you have around you to kind of help you in those times when you just don't think, I don't want to do this today? Yeah, well, I mean, that's why I created on Telegram Ontario Awake for my local Ontario people to meet each other. Uh, and to the point where we've talked, we all have walkie-talkies and we all have um, CB radios. Um, there's other ways to communicate. A lot of people have landlines, which are actually phone lines that, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the old-fashioned kind. I actually saw an old-fashioned, old-fashioned bell phone box when we yeah. were driving the other day. And I was like, there's a bell, there's a, a relic of the past, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but we, we ha still have the tech, so I don't worry about, I'm not afraid of any of that. Um, I don't even let the fear come in because that's how they're controlling us and keeping us down in that lower chakra area is fear, 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 fear. What if, what if, what if, you know, walking up eggshells around the narcissist sort of behavior, right? Well, no, walk boldly, say, no, God, I'm not thinking that. I'm not, I refuse to allow that fear, that what if, you know, I'm not an insurance agent. I don't need to what if every scenario right now. I just need to focus on who are my support network people. And usually it's, you can count them on one hand if they're, you know, because it's rare to find someone of quality and who will, you know, really be good, a good sounding board for you and not just always try to offer you advice. And I would say that if you're to be a good friend, just listen and don't try to fix it. It's not your job to fix it. It's your job to help them hear themselves and get the, the questions or the concerns out. And then they come up, the solution will come to them. And that's the really good friend. And so I have my partner who will listen and support me. And if I have a day where I'm like, you know what? I'm sleeping in and that's what's going to happen. And <laughs> then I'm going to take a bath and then I'm going to go for a walk. And that's my day, you know? then I just go ahead and, and do that if it feels right. And if there's something pressing, then I, I just tend to that early morning or, you know, structure your day accordingly so that you have peace and joy and some sort of happiness because time is short. And this is a, this is not a long life generally. I mean, and as we know, as we age and mature, we see, we see more past than we have, right? The past continues to expand and you, you look backward more than forward a lot of the time too, because you're lamenting or remembering something or missing someone or something, right? And you have to be able to cope with all of that as well. And that's meant to put you into a stoic sort of maturity ultimately, rather than traumatized, weeping, you know, mess. 
Um, so writing a diary helps or like writing out your intention or your feelings. If you don't have a sounding board in the moment, then write it out. And people do that on the internet, which I would go, Ooh, just <laughs> yeah, tweet it out. Yeah. Yeah. Don't press enter. Just, you know what? Write it out and just leave it and go sleep on it and then come back the next day and read it again. And you'll go, Whoa, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, good thing I didn't press in, you yeah. know? But that's the type of therapy for people to just become a little more grounded in themselves and centered in themselves and um, work on just find something loving in your day, whether it's, you know, I just sit out on my porch and I, I watch the wildlife do its thing and that's joyful enough for me. So whatever that is, just take a moment. It's see joys. Everyone confuses joy or happiness with pleasure. And that's a big mistake big mistake. Pleasure is pleasure. Pleasure is not joy and will not bring you happiness, but it's pleasure. It's its own thing. Then you have the joy or the happiness thing. And those that joy or happiness doesn't stay. It's a moment. It's a, it's a, it's a moment when you stop and you look and you, and you focus your attention and you give gratitude or you have an, a, an emotion of love toward in this situation, like your child or an animal or something, right? Those are your moments of joy. So you, you that's present moment focus you get joy so that's how you blip in your day joy here joy 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 but joy is not pleasure which can be like i want a thing you know and mm, i'm eating that ice cream and it mm, like you think you confuse it that it's joy but it's actually not it's pleasure and if you only have pleasure and no joy you will descend into a pit of hell if you don't have any pleasure but you have joy you will thrive, actually thrive, you can thrive and survive. These are like impoverished people who don't have any money. You look at any of those cultures that are broke and living in shanty towns and they have joy. They actually have joy. So you know that they're different and you know that you can survive on joy, but you can't survive only on pleasure. So you focus on your joy and you make sure that you get these moments in your day where you are touching that and feeling that and appreciating that. Because if you look back on your life and it's all empty pleasures that really didn't serve you, that's it's just a depressing place to be and i think a lot of people get depressed because of that and they've lost their their focal point of joy when you're talking about joy there that you talking about the pleasure was something that comes externally but when you're talking about joy it was something that you, you were reframing the world or like man's search for meaning the book he had to find obviously meaning in the situation but it came from him again it was responsibility to see the world in a certain way to stop to look and then take be be kind of grateful for what you have but it came it comes from you it's a doing thing isn't it yes and it's a do it's so the you could that's a good way of saying it the pleasure is like the doing it's like an external dewy dewy and the internal is a beingness it's a, it's an internal moment where you actually stop time and you you take an internal snapshot for yourself right like i'm and you have to practice it to make it actually work for you and I'm doing that more and more. And even taking pleasure in other people's pleasure can be a joy, right? Like you're, you're seeing them like, you know, my partner right now is hanging out with his family or whatever. And so I'm getting a few snapshots of smiley faces and family gathering. And I'm reveling in his joy on his, you know, because I know he's feeling joy. So I'm also feeling the joy. And so I'm getting joy moments. Just it's not even my own direct joy, right? So you can, but you can manufacture that in yourself more and more instead of, so when you act, when you look at it, you're actively 
but this is a moment of joy. Got it, you know? And, and it is a, pra- a definite, it is a discipline, but once you have it, the discipline supports you and it's not as hard. It's always hard just to start a new discipline until <laughs> it becomes a habit, right? Like all these things. So you're talking about kind of what I've heard of a friend of mine called Richard Granny talks about emotional literacy understanding and, and think understanding and the the thoughts you're having and thinking about them and the literal kind of sense of what you're doing and, and reading into it so the emotional literacy seems really important you spoke about stoicism there as well which i think all children should be spoke be taught what sto stoic is because that is a real powerful thing to stand in in there and be strong and be stoic and kind of stand back from that so how big is philosophy kind of play into to your life um most kids don't even look into philosophy they look into psychology which is the science which well, is not even science is pseudoscience but they don't talk about philosophy much um you seem to have kind of a good grasp of philosophy yeah I, I was always interested in philosophy very very early on and i studied all the the masters and you know the emmanuel kant's and all all you know in university they go still lefty lucy with the philosophy but i was fascinated by it and i still needed to read plato i still needed to read all these so-called you know masters and there are pieces that are very valuable um and i was in the philosophy club and i loved all my philosophy teachers i took a lot of courses i just i want i want to i always was foundationally interested in what the bigger picture why why we do what we do how we believe and how does that tie into our actions and um what is the purpose i, I always wanted to know why everything why i was the, the, the that annoying child why mommy why you know <laughs> yeah. and i was it was an inquisitive child and uh so the philosophies I, is where my mind is most of the time, to be honest. Um, I'm always pondering philosophy. Um, and I'm, all, I'm, I'm very interested in um, really the, the, how we interact with each other. So how does the philosophy and the sociology interact, which is the only thing I didn't take in university and I kind of regret. I think I really would have been excellent at the sociology. I did a lot of psychology, but not a lot of sociology. And how it all, how the, what that Venn diagram would look like, you know, um, and where I fit in with that and, and so forth. But ultimately, the philosophy comes down to, for me, is um, self-responsibility, like we talked about, um, and understanding energy, understanding that we are in a, a, a space where everything is an electricity or an energy, and we can utilize that in all kinds of different ways. And ultimately, we need a moral compass to, or the philosophy is irrelevant. <laughs> um, you can believe all kinds of things, but if you don't have a moral compass, then it's, uh, he, it always runs into hedonism, essentially. It will, it will go into um, uh, this butchered self, really. Um, like, you've see, like, if you ever saw, I don't know if you know, the phenomenon back in the 90s, I believe it was, or the 2000s, called Girls Gone Wild in the States. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen in our countries, respectfully, but and thank God. But it was, it showed you that, um, how easy, easy it is to manipulate people who want something, obviously. Um, and it was a, a sort of a hedonistic philosophy, right? That it's okay to show anyone your body parts, um, it's okay to have random sex with strangers. Um, it's, it's acceptable to 
um, to not have boundaries, you know, this sort of thing. And, and it obviously led to people getting into a lot of trouble. <laughs> so that philosophy doesn't work out because it doesn't have the moral compass and it doesn't have the energetic ideologies necessary, which means it doesn't have the science of this reality present with it, right? So I'm always trying to fit that together. So it's, a, it's always a constant. It's a constant work to do that with, with philosophy. But to me, it's self-responsibility. Um, there's rules of this place. I'm going to follow them. I feel there's a creator because we're so intricate. We have to be created. I mean, there's a book, you know, I pick up a book and it's written. I know someone wrote it because it's organized. I am organized. Somebody must have written me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so to me, that's uh, easy to come to with logic. And I took a lot of logic classes because it went hand in hand with philosophy. And I'm always checking the logic on the thoughts, make sure they're lining up. And uh, it's just, you know, it's, a, it's something you come to by reading and learning and re being reflective um, and being probably uh, a bit of a, not just an autodidact, but uh, um, a, a, a renaissance type where you're, you're actually dabbling in, in trying to master multiple um, disciplines to, in order to um, really come to something that's meaningful and you can launch your life from yeah you're talking about hed um, hedonistic um crowley comes to mind do what thou wilt straight away i was actually at this house in scotland not too long ago the, not there but we were filming outside and it's really creepy and you can feel the energy around the house that there's something very odd going on there as well before we go then the last question i wanted to ask you is then so we're looking about morals and values there and, and if you don't have them you kind of are just lost in the wilderness. What are your, your core morals and values? Um, yeah, and how do they kind of serve you? Uh, well, it's it, a lot of it comes from the health approach. So, you know, do no harm, obviously. Um, but do no harm is not what we think it is because um, definition of harm is more specific, but uh, really because sometimes you have to shake someone up and you could call that harm, but I don't because shaking someone up um, to help like uh, help them see their own crap, you know, is actually a loving act. <laughs> so, so it really comes down to, um, are you, is it helpful? Is it kind? Is it generous? And is it, it, where are your needs coming through it? So where's your ego in it? Um, that's where I look to. And if there's an ego need, then I try to address it by not putting it on somebody else first. So I always go to it. How can I satisfy this need without um, being needy? And if I can't, then I have to ask. Then I wait and see how best to ask. And I believe that I'll be shown by my own um, barometer, by my own compass, compass system that is divinely inspired to find that those answers. And so I ask myself and then I sleep on it and wait. Um, I believe that uh, energy is, that we are the ones that, label it and name it and do all these, this thing with it, but it just actually is, uh, we're manipulating it. So I'm more careful with how I manipulate it. And I teach, uh, as emotions being energy and that we are just labeling a specific energy that has a specific character to it as that emotion. However, it flows and it's temporary. Like all of those emotions are temporary. 
and everything is impermanent. And that goes back to a lot of the Buddhism training that I took. And I thought, I, that's why the preciousness of life must be honored because, and I think even, oh, my connection was unstable, sorry. Um, I even feel, is it, yes, I back now, I think, um, that we are meant to, to be um, ever being challenged to be better of ourselves. Like we're not meant to degrade ourselves. We're, we're meant to always find what it is we need. And we were, it's designed like this. And so that means it's there. And if I can't find it, then I might, I might just need to change my strategy because the answer is always there. I just, for some reason I'm shrouded or I can't see it or it's karmic or whatever it is. Um, but I know it's there. And so that's part of the belief system and philosophy is that I'm, we are loved. We're not abandoned as much as we think we are. You know, we, there's a reason and a purpose for being and why we are the way we are. We have soul. The soul is, a, is eternal. We, the body is just the body. We go through all these different incarnations and we're here to learn and grow and also to be that so that the creator can experience all that there is to experience. Um, and I, I will try my best to always make my corrections to learn from my mistakes to grow and to teach what I've learned. And that's part of the, the belief system and that I cannot take a life. I'm not allowed to take a life as much as possible. I must not kill. I must not maim. I must not hurt. I must not steal. I must not lie. Those are basic tenets of a good philosophy, right? Of moral philosophy that you're not going to do those things. And by any chance you're in a position like I, I have these quandaries with myself all, all the time. Here, here's one, and I'll, I'll leave it at this one. Say you find out something about someone that's not good, okay? In confidence or not. So say somebody says to you, you know, I worked with this person, and as much as they, I thought they were on the up and up, turns out they weren't, and here's the mess that happened. And you're like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm glad you went through, you know, whatever the conversation. Then you find out that your friend is starting to have dealings with this person. What are you to do? Are you to basically gossip, essentially, about that person? You haven't validated the story with them. You haven't double checked to make sure it's true. None of that, you don't know. But you feel like that was honest. You know, maybe you legitimately you know, had your own dealings with that person and realized there was something wrong, okay? And, and you know that this person is honest, so they're probably right, okay? So say that. Now, do you, what do you do? Do you warn them? Is warning them loving? Is warning them the right thing to do? Or is warning them gossip? Gossip is, is their interaction between these two people was just their karma, but not with these two people. So you see, before there's all of these thoughts that come when you're going to see if you're in alignment with integrity, right? Because that's what it comes down to. And sometimes it will be appropriate where you do have to talk about that scenario. And sometimes you have to just wait or not say something. And you have to know the difference of when that's appropriate, right? And this is the practice. And you might be wrong and they have to be okay with potentially making a mistake, but at least you know that you're not making a mistake from callousness or carelessness or who gives a crap or, or anything like this. You're at, you actually were contemplative and you made a final decision based on the information that you had 
And that's as caring and loving as you can be in that moment. So then you won't have guilt or shame or any of these toxic emotions when you go back and look at the scenario. You did what you could do and you're trying, you tried your best or you put, applied your philosophy to the situation, right? So this is, if we have this sort of thing, we understand, then we can really do right by people as much as possible. Or we can at least not impose ourselves too much or know when it's the right time to step in and say, hey, uh, I need to tell you this, or um, do you want some help or whatever the scenario is, right? And there's a cultural difference to all that, of course, too, because like in the States, if you're pulled off the side of the road, it's like people are going to stop and ask if you're okay. That's just how it is. That's their culture that's inbred in them as a moral value from, from generations. And in Canada, it's rude to do that. You don't, someone's on the side of the road, it's none of your business why they stopped the side of the road, you know? <laughs> what if they just wanted to text? Or what if they had to pee in a jar? You don't know shit, you know? So don't bug them. If they need you, they will wave at you or they will tell you they need you, right? So that's the difference between cultural stuff, right? As well. So there's all this layers, but as much conscious awareness as you can bring to the scenario, the more everyone will gain and learn from it. And, um, and it's not to be hasty and ego because ego is hasty and rushed and all that. So if you feel rushed, then you know the ego is there and you stop and you pull back and you wait and then more information will be given to you. So that's how I operate and, um, and how it works, you know, as far as me not creating more scenarios of chaos mm. in my own life, you know, because that's a self-loving act to not draw harm to yourself as much as possible, which is really hard, by the way, coming out publicly and talking. I mean, the second I open my mouth, I'm in trouble. It's like, I can't even, you know, so I had to let all that go too. I mean, you're never going to satisfy everybody. Yeah. Everybody's got their own views of you that can, they're mostly inaccurate, probably inaccurate. And they project on you all the time and they've made mistakes and they don't want to own them. So they just say it's your fault. I mean, so at that point you you let go and you you just continue to stay in integrity and that's the best that you've got right and that's that's life <laughs> that's where stoicism comes in and being able to stand there in the strong wind and go i'm standing in the wind that's brave enough and, and i think that's what you do and that's why i really wanted to chat to you because the way you talk it's refreshing to hear someone speak with that energy and stand in the wind and just stand in that stoicism. And, and what you're talking about there is intent. Um, no one knows, no one's ever going to know the other person's intent and they're never going to know yours. And that's the beauty of it all. That's the scary tightrope thing because no one really knows what the intent is of another person, unless you maybe overhear a phone call accidentally. Um, most of the time you're just this guesswork and you don't know what's going on. And I, I might, one of my things is when I get up in the morning and I go to bed at night, I said, did I try it? Did I cause more order or, chaos today and i want to try and cause more order than chaos and sometimes you get it wrong so everything you're saying lines up with my moral philosophy and i it's great to have this chat with you because when i'd love to do it again because not many people get to talk about these things so i hope um it's been okay and uh, where can people find you and find more about your work um well yeah it is important to talk like this and thank you richard for having the the podcast available for us to do this and to you know, do the work that you're here to do, which we all have our, our paths and, um, and we all have work. Every other, every last one of us, even the hedonists have work. <laughs> they have probably more work to do. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I have a lot of different websites because I've had to differentiate my business as I went into the private doing like that PMA style. So I have yumnaturals.store uh, and dmso.store. Those are all the things that um, all my designs, uh, medicine designs and uh, creams and so forth that I designed and created that are there that are either blended with DMSO, which is on the dmso.store or otherwise uh, or on the other website yummy.doctor, doctor being the domain itself. That's for uh, education and the courses, so blog, videos, so forth. And then Telegram, there's a lot on Telegram going on. Um, I have my main channel, which is my name, and then that feeds into the group, which is uh, called Healthy Dose of Truth. Uh, so that's for more interaction um, with me, and, and I have a lot of great moderators there. Uh, and then I'm, you know, I'm on all of these other platforms, but come on. I mean, they censor us. So why do I, I don't feed them much, you know, yep. actually my strategy with Facebook after the last string of, I think four or five 30 day bans is I don't post original content at all. I just refuse to, I just regurgitate someone else's content. That's my strategy right now. So you, if you go to my Facebook page, it will just be a forward of other stuff I like and agree with and think is awesome. No commentary. That's all you get. That's what you get because they can't do much in there because it's not my own content. Plus, I don't want to give them my own content anymore as much as possible. Now, I just did a live using Facebook and it's only because I don't have my live on yummy.doctor set up yet. But once I do, I will never do that again. So uh, we're pulling out of Babylon step yeah. by step. <laughs> Well, I'll pull so thank you again, Richard. No, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it and your patience as well. Getting this, and I'd love to do it again some point. And we've got some other shows I'd like to get you on with Gareth and, and the other guys to chat to. They've got slightly bigger platforms. So that'd be great to get you on with those guys as well, their show. So I'll, I'll put links across to the for, to Fabian that I've been chatting to. So thank you for your time, guys. I'll put all the links below, say, um, and go and check out the links and make sure that you, you get in touch with them. Um, with uh, with amanda and also on the telegram as well which seems like to be one of the, the more popular avenues that you use so guys hope you enjoyed that please leave comments below and i'll forward everything to amanda and take care and i'll see you in a week bye your call is important to us Arrive at your destination. Connecting.